Late Night Conversations with Patricia Anduli. Monday to Thursday, 10 p.m. till midnight. Health Conversations. Let's welcome our first A-team guest, Sherwin Charles, who's the co-founder and CEO of Goodbye Malaria. A-teamers, we are talking about a future that could possibly be malaria-free. This is a future that I think a lot of people are looking forward to. Having lived um, in sub-Saharan African countries, either than South Africa, Malawi and Mozambique, I know how devastating the malaria can be, especially on children. Thank you very much for joining us, Sherwin. Thanks very much, Patricia. So, Sharon, I mean, the World Health Organization has always mentioned the fact that uh, children, especially those who are under the age of five years old, are very um, susceptible to contracting malaria in sub-Saharan Africa, resulting to more of the deaths and more of the sicknesses due to malaria. How are we expecting to remove this particular statistic and make sure that sub-Saharan Africa is malaria-free? Sadly, um, the under fives, the children in Africa, make up more than 70% of the deaths that occur globally from malaria, um, which which is really um, a situation that is untenable, and, and it's, it's a disease where we have to win the war. Um, we've made lots of progress in malaria over the last 20 years. Um, but sadly, the last four years have seen a plateau in our progress, particularly in the countries that have the, high, the highest burden of disease. So, so it is something that uh, uh, we need to double our efforts up. We were slightly behind the curve and our ambitions to 2030 and the SDGs uh, before the pandemic started. And with the onset of the pandemic, it's just worsened the situation. So the announcement um, yesterday by WHO, a, a particularly historic announcement, um, this is the first time ever that there's been an, 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 an approval for a malaria vaccine, the GSK RTSS malaria vaccine. Um, and it's been approved for use in sub-Saharan Africa, where falciparum malaria is most prevalent. And so we're hoping that having a new tool in our toolbox, um, something that is particularly um, effective in in our children, um, would really help us re-energize the malaria world, uh, the teams to get back on track to zero malaria. And, and we firm believers at Goodbye Malaria that this is possible within our lifetime. Sharon, when it comes to vaccines, especially now with COVID-19, we always have questions around them. I mean, how long was this vaccine in the making and why is it only open to children? Why not everyone in sub-Saharan Africa? Because, Or even uh, globally, because malaria is not just a sub-Saharan Africa uh, issue. So um, this malaria, has been, this vaccine has been long in the making. Um, GSK announced its ambitions in 1987. So, so really been many years that this vaccine has been in development. In 2001, GSK and PATH uh, uh, put together a public-private partnership where they continued the development 
of this vaccine in an innovative funding structure. And in 2015, this vaccine then got a, approval to go into to, uh, this pilot program, which only started in 2019. And this pilot program has been run for the last two years. Of course, the data from the program uh, really showed that the vaccine has been successful. Um, and thus, you've heard of the approval from WHO. So it's a vaccine made um, on the old platforms in the old ways that uh, were not available uh, to us um, as has the COVID vaccines. So, so really one of the, the old vaccines along the lines of uh, uh, measles and polio where we've seen uh, eradication of, of, of measles and, and almost there with polio. Uh, thanks to the vac- vaccination regimes. Now, you know, there's been a lot of strides that have been taken towards a malaria-free Africa. What other, uh, you know, measures are going to be put in place alongside this particular vaccination? So, so if you see the, um, the vaccine uh, protocols and its approval is for the vaccine to be used uh, in conjunction with existing tools, and those tools are... Uh, a way to deal with the mosquitoes, so using insecticide-treated bed nets and indoor residual spraying, so applying insecticide to the walls of homes, and that's a way to kill the mosquitoes. And then, of course, it has to be in conjunction with diagnostics and therapeutics, so having access to healthcare. Um, and so as, as just another tool in the toolbox and working in combination with these tools, we've, we've seen tremendous success. Just to touch on a point quickly about it, why is it only for Africa? The vaccine is really effective for salciparin malaria. Now, that's found in Africa predominantly. And so if you, if you read the, the announcement, any other region that has a moderate to high burden of salciparin malaria, uh, the vaccine could be used in those settings as well. A-teamers, if you've got any questions around how we are getting to a malaria-free Africa, please do call in on 011-714-2006 or you can send a WhatsApp to 614 We are talking to Sharon Charles, who's the co-founder and CEO of Goodbye Malaria. Now, with the malaria prophylaxis, Sharon, I mean, we know that they are readily available. I'm not sure if it's at every point, especially in our uh, public health care system where they are received at no cost. But will this particular vaccination be available in our public health care systems? The, the intention is definitely to make sure it's available within public health and becomes part of the regime for, for young kids. Um, of course, funding is needed for that. So when you look at malaria, it's a disease of the poor, as it's generally described, because it really is of highest burden in our poorest communities. And so this vaccine has to be made available um, at no cost within public health. And so we eagerly await a decision from Gavi, who is the biggest donor in the world um, and supporter of vaccines. And we're hoping that their board in December will approve the, the RTSS vaccine as part of their arsenal that will be rolled out on the continent. If, 
if that approval goes through, we we then very hopeful that uh, this vaccine will be available widespread on the continent from probably the beginning of 2023. Hmm. Now, if a person or a child has been vaccinated, will they still need to take malaria prophylaxis if they are traveling outside of South Africa into the rest of sub-Saharan Africa? So, so one of the interesting um, publications that has gone alongside um, these trials um, in a recent article in the New England Medical Journal, um, it was found that um, by using this vaccine with, um, um, in combination with um, um, seasonal malaria um, chemo prevention, the prophylaxis, as you mentioned, um, that in combination together, we saw around a 70% more effective reduction in cases and deaths in children when compared to using either intervention on its own. So certainly in combination, it's worked. And why is that important? Is that in many of our countries um, in Africa, malaria is seasonal. So if you have the ability to have a targeted, a preventative approach where, where you could use the prophylaxis on a seasonal basis, um, this could save thousands of lives. And so um, um, from a South African perspective, we really want to encourage our South Africans, particularly those living in endemic areas or those traveling to endemic areas, to, to really consider taking prophylaxis. Um, you, were, you were speaking about the weather in Joburg right now and there's thunder and lightning and lots of rain. Um, that's the start of malaria transmission season. The minute the rains come, mosquito populations increase. And, and that's the beginning of uh, malaria season. So, so really want to encourage your listeners um, to look at using prophylaxis uh, when going into an endemic area. Sharon, thank you so very much for uh, joining us this evening. I'm looking forward to the release of that vaccination in 2023. Thank you very much.